Hey fellow tennis nerds, I hope all is well. This time I bring back Henrik Wallenstein to the podcast. He strings for the Swedish Davis Cup team. He's a longtime tennis nerd. He's been testing rackets for many, many years for the Swedish tennis magazine. He's very knowledgeable about rackets, strings and tennis gear. And he's also a very good player. He plays in the German league and he, he travels around for tennis, played some ITF seniors and so on. Great guy, good player, very knowledgeable about tennis rackets. So we Take this session to just nerd out about upcoming frames, swing weights, why you should have several different rackets in the bag, and much, much more. So I hope you like this podcast. Let's dive into it. And thanks to Hendrik for joining. Okay, Hendrik, nice to talk to you. It's been a while. Uh, we did a podcast, uh, I guess, a year ago or so. Uh, that was well appreciated among the racket nerds. So I thought we'll we talk again. And uh, there are a lot of rackets coming up now. So I think we're we're you know doing a a good job in terms of timing, a lot of power, a lot of spin rackets. So I think people are getting more and more excited after a dead period. Uh, so, so how's your tennis going and, and what rackets are you playing at the moment? Tennis is going pretty well. Um, the weather in Sweden is, is pretty bad. Uh, the spring in Sweden could be like 28 degrees and sun every day, or it could be like now eight degrees and rain for like two weeks. It's difficult to, to go out on the clay and play. So, we have to practice a lot on the hard court indoors, nice facilities, but when it's springtime, you want to play out on the clay. So I've tried to get as much court time as possible. I've been down to, to Frankfurt in Germany and played the league tennis two weeks in a row. Um, it's nice to see different cities play against new players. And we also have some Swedish league matches and some, some uh, tournaments here in Sweden that's coming up. So I, I try to get as much tennis as possible. I try to be on court like three, four times a week. And that's about what you have time for when you're an old working family father, so to say. So it's nice to, it's nice to, to find some time for tennis at least and try new stuff. And what are you using in the, in the league matches? As a racket nerd, I'm trying new stuff all the time. The rackets I've been using the most this this spring is actually a customized or a pro stock version of the Head Extreme. Um, it's the old IG Extreme Pro. I think Bertin is using the same mold, um, so I'm using that one. I really like the tighter string pattern, and I also like that frame has a rounder shape. The current extremes they are more like uh, traditional shaped but the the old extremes have this rounder shape the same shape as like gravity for example and i've actually also used uh, the gravity pro stock um, of the pro version quite a bit but i like the rounder shape so that's what i've been swinging in the matches but now lately in the practice i've been using old um, e-zone the the lime and black version just to to try um, and I'm also waiting for a couple of new frames that's not yet to be spoken about that will be released during the summer or autumn. Um, and I'm waiting for those as well. And I will also get the new Prince Extreme Tour 98. And that is a frame I really look forward to. That sounds like, a, yes, looking by the specs, it sounds like a, yeah, like a perfect racket for me at least. Yeah, I think that's one is, is very exciting too. And I talked to uh, Tim, the racket designer, yesterday. And uh, I know they're, I think they're coming next week uh, as well. So I think it would be interesting for us to compare notes because in that 
range of the text stream tour line, which was very well appreciated. And, and I think they were, they're overall very good rackets. Um, it was kind of missing a 98 because you had the 95, which for most players is a bit too difficult to use, too difficult to generate power with. And then some players won't like a hundred because it maybe gets a bit too much. So, uh, you know, the 98 should be very interesting for, for, a advanced players at least i would say yeah i totally agree because normally okay now i've been using the extreme and that's the 100 square inch but normally or in the past i've always used 98 rackets for example i'm tried the the current version of the uh, radical the radical mp about the same specifications as the extreme tour i've been using the blade 98 as well a lot and i really like that frame as well um it's right in my in my wheelhouse the 98 version with 6019 and pretty low flex um so hopefully the power level is not too too bad in those prince frames um, and um, yeah i think the flex level is also very attractive so i think it could be could be a really nice uh, frame the swing weight was 325 so i'm guessing there is not so much room for customization uh, if you don't get a low uh, low range spec specified um, frame but uh, yeah i'm really looking forward to it so it will be very interesting to compare notes with you when we have been trying it out for a week or two yeah i think so and, and i think i i think many players will appreciate the, the low flex. Uh, sometimes with, with these kind of 98 low flex rackets, I play well, I think myself, against certain types of opponents, but against stronger players, I feel sometimes I get overpowered or lack some stability. So that's uh, something I always... That's the most difficult part of everything. Like You have to find the, like a perfect balanced frame for all opponents seems impossible. So you always want to have like a one more like 98 with some good flex and then you want like a power frame with some stiffness to handle certain different opponents do you have a do you have a similar feeling absolutely uh, we have in in my club we have a, a really good player Jonathan Stenberg um, he has been in the Swedish league he has been beating players ranked around six five or six hundred ATP so I mean he, he really knows how to play um, he actually won a round in at 25k futures as well last week so it's a really good player and i get the opportunity to practice with him one or two times every week and if i'm using a 98 frame low power low swing weight i get i am I, I mean i don't even get points against him he's just it's like i have absolutely no chance so I'm against a player like him. I need to use like a pure drive with a high swing weight or the extreme tour, the extreme pro stop, and at least the swing weight strung of 330 or above that. Then I can generate enough pace to to win some points. But if I'm using a low low powered frame with low swing weight or small sweet spot, I mean it's he he just gets like two two light shots from me. He can just step in and finish the point and push me wide and I have no response. So, But for example, if I'm playing against a weaker player that don't create any pace um, and I'm using those uh, powerful frames, I'm just overhitting the shots and I don't get any confidence and I get like, I don't actually don't know if there is an uh, English word for it. On German, it's called Zitterarm uh, and on Swedish, it's called uh, Gummiarm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, there's, I don't think... 
there's a word for it, but uh, or there might be. Maybe some of the listeners can can respond to that. But it's all about like you you get really tense and suddenly you can't hit your normal strokes, right? So that's yeah. what happens, and then then you feel like your and your confidence obviously drops, but it, you can't even get the ball in, inside the court, which is it's a horrible feeling. Yeah, I mean, it's it's actually that you feel like you cannot physically hit the ball. It's like if you hit the the forehand, you feel like oh. I don't know if it's going to the fence or if it's going to bounce one meter in front of me. You, you just simply cannot hit the ball. Yeah. So if any of you English listeners know the words for it, otherwise we have to come up with, with something, rubber elbow or something. That's the <laughs> free translation of Swedish. Uh, but uh, if I'm using a powerful frame against a weaker player, I, I tend to get those this kind of sensation. And it's not a nice sensation. You have to like, just start to slice both forehand and backhand. Uh, and then it's good to have like a low powered 98 frame with good control. Then, then you feel like you have to, to swing out to generate some pace. And yeah, I'm, I'm actually using different frames in my bag. I don't have any, like this is the only frame I'm using. I'm having actually two or three different, totally different brands and, types of rackets in my bag yeah i mean most of you think maybe that's really strange but for me i mean i'm trying maybe 100 rackets each year just as long as they are the same grip size and about the same strings tension so you know a little bit what you get and i think it's actually pretty pretty okay and pretty good to 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 have different frames and especially when you are practicing if if you are using a powerful frame uh, low tension you tend to be a little bit too, too, how do you say, relaxed. You don't hit out your strokes so good. You're you're letting the racket control you. You are not you are not the man in charge. You let the racket play your tennis, uh, and then you start to to drop off the power level because you don't swing out so much. You are taking it more. Um, yeah, you're not hitting as hard as you can. And then it's sometimes good to actually practice with a really demanding racket with tight string pattern. So you really have to swing out. Um, and that is the, that works best for me uh, to practice with really demanding rackets because then I really have to play tennis, so to say. And then if I'm playing against a really good, powerful opponent, I can use those powerful frames because then I'm used to swinging out with the with the demanding rackets, for example, like a prestige or a blade uh, with the tight 1820 string pattern. Um, and if then I'm using the same swings with the powerful rackets and then I get a really good result. So I think that's something that a lot of players should take into consideration and not get stuck with one thing and don't see why some things don't work against some opponents. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I'm, I'm in the exact same situation. Like I, and I would also add to that, like, for example, if you're, you know, playing with someone maybe a slightly weaker and it's kind of like almost a coaching session or something like that. Um, it, it's, it's, I mean, most players who coach, they don't play with their match racket. So they, they want to coach with something pretty light, maybe a little bit stiffer. So you get some free pace. So you don't have to work the ball so much but when you're training for your own tennis a bit more and you like you're saying you you want something low powered so you feel like you get the mechanics right so you really get your technique working and your swing 
working. Uh, but then against these tougher guys that play futures or have played futures or 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 even challengers, they you have no chance to even win points if you're not playing with uh, enough power. And uh, that's just how it is. So I, I definitely have kind of three rackets of, in my bag at all times of those slightly different um, different specs for different types of players. And I, I, it's a pretty intentional thing as well because I sometimes realize when you get to the court and you're playing um, and, and you, you realize, okay, I, today I'm not feeling this racket at all. Like some days are like that and then you have options at least. So you have maybe two other options. You can go and say, hey, okay, today I felt like I needed more power against this opponent or in these windy conditions or on this very slow court. Or if you're playing like indoors, you might want to have the ultra control racket because the ball's flying a bit or it's too much, um, too much pace on that, that court. So I don't really understand why, at least for non-pros, why it's not a good idea to have a few different options in the bag. I totally, totally agree. Um, one other thing that is something that people should take into consideration is that it, it's not also the most important thing is actually not that the racket is feeling good for you. The thing you should focus on and what is what should be most important is that to see what your strokes is doing with the opponent, so to say that, for example, when I'm using the the last week, I've been practicing with the old E-Zone 100 from, I think, 2018. It feels great. I mean, I feel like I can... I, I think personally, I hit very good shots. It feels really, really good. I have the Solinko Hyper G string in it, and it feels like, okay, I'm hitting the ball really, really well, really clean. And then I used it on a practice match, and I got just hammered by a young guy. It, it, he had like no problems handling my shots that I thought was really good, but I was not generating any pace or problems for him to handle it. It felt like the shots was too light for him. Um, and let's say that I feel really good in practicing and I'm buying four of those rackets and then using it in matches and I don't get any result, any good result. Um, then you start to wondering what is wrong. The racket feels great, but I'm not just getting the result with it. Um, one thing I would advise when you are trying out a new racket is not just to look at your game. Try to have someone record your opponent and see how they react when you are trying different rackets. For example, if you are using like an E-Zone, for example, and you see, okay, the ball, he gets really, really light shots. He can play really well against me when I'm using this racket. And then you are instead using like a pure arrow for example with a higher swing weight and you see like okay now he has to work a lot more it doesn't necessarily feels better for you but you see that your opponent will have a lot more trouble um, playing against you then you should also take into consideration okay what do i want to achieve with my tennis do i want to just hit nice shots from the baseline i have no intention of or no interest in like winning matches just to like play tennis and have fun. Maybe you should use the lighter racket with lighter swing weight. If you have like, I really want to win matches. I want to play a tournament. I want to be competitive. I want to win each point. Then maybe you should take a racket that is not feeling so good for you, but that makes problems for your, for your opponent. Uh, you have the balls coming up with more spin for the opponent. They have to work. Uh, deeper back in the court you press them a lot more 
that is something that you should really take into consideration to to see what different racket is making for your opponent not for you actually very good point i think that's a very good um, thing to think about is that i try to do that uh, obviously when i test rackets that i put the camera on the other side uh, you know I, I watch myself see how it affects me but then i also watch the opponent see how it affects him and then obviously hand it to him if i can and see how he plays for him and also how i react to the ball so um, if you're if you have a session where both players are open to testing new rackets, you're gonna have a very good exchange of feeling like okay, this ball is very heavy, this ball kicks up a lot, or some shots where that might feel amazing for you that okay, this sweet spot is like butter. I I feel like I can hit my targets, but the ball on the other end is is too weak. Like you're saying, it's it's not enough pace, not enough weight on the ball. Uh, you're gonna be mincemeat against better players. So it's um it's something to definitely consider how your effective your shots are with a certain racket because i think a lot of players get really obsessed with the feel which is obviously important uh, but it's not everything because if you have the best feel but you have nothing on the ball uh, you're not going to enjoy your tennis because you're going to lose a lot of matches you know so uh, i i think that th those things have to be taken into consideration when you test rackets strings it's really important also to, to not just use the racket like one hour because every racket feels great almost the first hour in the honeymoon phase and uh, try it try to play when you are trying new rackets before you are buying a racket try to use it in a match situation and not less not not just like a practice match put some pressure in the match let's say like if you and i are playing against each other i don't really care if you win 6-2 or if i win 6-2 we just have fun and play but put some pressure in it, like bet one uh, one lunch or something, just so you have something to, some extra thing to, uh, that makes your nerves a bit uh, in motion, so to say. Yeah. Uh, and try to use the racket in a match-like situation because every racket feels um, good when you're just hitting strokes, when you're getting good balls and you don't move. But in a match situation, you have to move and it's yeah, you have to really consider how the racket is working in a match situation before you are committing to buying rackets because it's a it's a big investment for most players these days when the costs are pretty high for a new frame. Yeah, the, the price of a, of a racket these days is I guess around 250 euros or, or dollars or you know, uh, and, and it's it's a lot of money. Let's say you want to buy three or four, uh, suddenly you have like a thousand. Uh, to to invest in, in and without testing a racket properly and making sure that it works on the match court on the practice court uh, it's it's gonna you have to gonna you have to sell them quite quickly so it's um it's just one of those things that we can avoid a lot of headache just by giving a racket proper time before you commit to it and uh, well, one of the things i i thought about as well is like it's it's the weight of the ball i think that's a lot of that comes from swing weight or maybe everything comes from swing weight. I don't know if you've noticed that as well. Like I feel like, okay, you can have a stiff racket. You're going to get some pace. Um, the ball might, you know, go quicker to your opponent, but the weight of the ball comes from the swing weight. And if you have a light swing weight, maybe that's what happened with your E-Zone because the E-Zone 100 is a very stiff racket. But if you don't have any extra swing weight, which you might have on your extreme pro stock, um, you're not getting that heavy ball that's going to be tough for the guy to to face that's absolutely true i mean i have the fortune to i have bought 
one of those swing weight machines, a head three-in-one machine. And I mean, I, I'm using it every day for every racket. Uh, swing weight is the single most important measurement in a tennis racket. And for example, those Ezones 100, they have a strong swing weight with an overgrip. Okay, the overgrip doesn't make that much difference, but they have a strong swing weight of 308. And the extreme pro stocks that I have, I have customized them to a strong swing weight of 335 and with the same string as the E-Zone. And I mean, those that is pretty much like a difference that the racket feels like it's 30 grams heavier, yeah. so to say, even if the weight is the same of the two rackets. Um, and it makes the world in difference in the shots because... It feels okay when I have a lighter swing weight. It's easier to swing the racket. It's easier to to be able to um, get the racket in in the correct position earlier to prepare for the shots. And that is why maybe I feel like I'm getting a clean contact with the ball because I'm able to to um, prepare for my shots and uh, hit the ball good. And with the heavier swing weight, I'm not maybe maybe I'm not good enough player to play with such a heavy swing weight for an amateur player, and maybe I'm a bit late to the shots. But when I'm hitting the ball cleanly with the heavier swing weight, it creates so much heaviness, or how I should pronounce say it, because um, the heavier swing weight is really creating a heavy ball. The opponent gets so much more pressure from me; they have to use so much more force to be able to hit a good shot back. And that is especially noticeable when you are playing better players. If you are playing with light swing weight, you're toast. You're you're having absolutely no chance. You really need to have a heavier swing weight against better players. And as you see in the in the pro in the in the pro level of tennis, I mean there is virtually no pro player that I'm aware of that's using swing weights under 325, 330 at least. I've heard that Jack Sock was maybe using a lighter swing weight because he has such a fast rotating motion on his uh, forehand, but um, otherwise most players are using 330 to 360 strong swing weight. Yeah. And that is needed. Yeah, I think I think it depends a bit on your the the swing. Like so I think guys like that have very loose arms and fast arms, Sok, Alcaraz, those guys can play with, with lower swing weights. But it's like the guys who are more precision-oriented, slower swings, um, they need higher swing weights, like the control rackets of, of Novak and, and Andy, for example. So it depends a bit on the player. Uh, but uh, yeah, you don't see a lot of players going below 330 or even 340 in the pros. It's going down a bit because the swing speeds are going up and the spin and everything, but overall you you see mainly pretty high swing weights because otherwise the ball won't be heavy enough. And that's something I notice as well. Like as soon as I go below 330 against good players that play, you know, ITFs or whatever, they it becomes a problem. <laughs> so, uh, and, and uh, if I play too high of a swing weight, like you said, I have a hard time just maneuvering it against weaker players where I, I feel like I could take a, a 95 or a 98 uh, that's pretty pretty low flex and, and and play better. So it's it's an interesting take on on the, and it puts a little bit of a of a question mark on this old notion that you have to find your racket and just play with one. I think it's good to have your your specs and I know you you 
pretty much like like me with with the swing weight machine. You check, you make sure that it's it's within your spec range. You, you try the the racket stock in your reviews for the tennis magazine and for tennis nerd, Swedish tennis magazine. Uh, but you also like to to make sure that you customize them to your to your spec rights. And, and what's what's your spec range these days? Well, where where do you usually land? Uh, between unstrung with no um, uh, with no overgrip, it's about let's say 312 to 315 grams. The balance is like my my, pre- my preferred balance is about 31.5 centimeters. Um, it doesn't really matter actually if it's 31 or 32 centimeters as long as the swing weight is the same. But I tend to prefer an unstrung swing weight of about 290 to 295 and depending on the gauge of the of the strings that means the swing weight is between the strung swing weight is between 325 to 330 uh, i noticed that when i'm using rackets that's over 330 i i i mean it feels good just hitting shots back and forth from the baseline but as soon as i'm get pushed I don't have enough time with a heavier swing weight. So I would say my ideal racket is 315 grams uh, unstrung, 31.5 centimeters balance in a 68.5 centimeter racket, like a normal racket, and a strung swing weight of 325. That is my like ideal spec. Yeah, I think we're quite similar in that sense. Like as soon as it goes above 330 and I've played 338, 340 and, and enjoyed it, but then... Uh, you you will feel sluggish at times, and it's um, it can be difficult to to get the racket in in time, you know, in the right position over and over again with your less than ideal technique and footwork, obviously. So um, that that's the thing. And and if you're below three thirty, it feels like you get something on the ball, and it's a little bit easier to maneuver it. Uh, so I think that's that's where I tend to be as well. And those specs sound sound good to me. And then you tend to go between 98 and 100, right? You tend to move around between those two head sizes. Absolutely. I mean, I'm, I uh, when I was younger, I tried the Prestige 600 just because my my childhood hero, Alberto Berasategui, used the Prestige 600. And I really wanted to use that racket. And I played shit. I mean, I'm I'm not good enough player to use a Prestige 600. Uh, it's not fitting my game style at all. Uh, so 90, 90 to 95 square inch rackets, they are not just working. They are not working for me. 98 rackets. If I'm playing against a player that is in my level or lower level, I prefer a 98 racket. And if I'm playing against a better player, a uh, hundred racket works best for me, but I've actually also tried. I tried the, just for fun to buy the Bubble Pure Drive 107, and it was actually quite fun to customize it uh, and see what happens when you're using it. But it's really you have to. You cannot overheat. You 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 get too much power. Uh, the ball. The, te- the racket tends to control you too much. You have to adapt to the racket. You cannot play your own game. You have to think all the time. Yeah. The same goes with the, the Wilson 104. And that is a racket that's been getting a lot of praise among amateur players. And it's a really good racket as well. Really, really soft, like 60 flex. Actually too soft for a racket in that head size. And that is also a racket that feels really good. Just hitting and serving, actually. It's a really good serving racket. 
but when you are playing matches um, it's you have to adapt too much to the racket even if you are raising the tension um, the racket controls you too much you have to adapt to the racket and I, I actually don't want to have a racket that I need to adapt to to be able to get the balls in, in place I just I don't want to think too much so to say I just want it to work yeah I think that's a good point I also noticed that when you play with something that's a bit too powerful that you're 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 changing your swing a bit I mean you can adapt your swing after testing so many rackets which we both have I, I think you you automatically adapt a little bit to each racket but within reason you know if you have a racket that makes the ball you know fly to the other side you have to then really hold and and really you know, make sure you add extra, extra topspin on every shot. Uh, so you get a bit uh, hesitant when you try to just hit a winner, for example, or, or just a clean, like flatten it out. You can't feel any, you don't feel any confidence really in, in just going for the shot, which you will with a more controlled frame. And that's, I, I think you're absolutely right. If the racket controls you, I think it's it's something you have to consider and, and maybe go for something that gives you the power back, like the, the control back where you can take charge and play your game doesn't mean you, you should play probably with a prestige mid, but uh, but something there's always something in between, like so uh, a 98 or or just a normal hundred. I think that I think head sizes make a big difference. For a while, I thought maybe you know it, it, there's so many parameters of tennis rackets, you know head size stiffness, uh, you know the balance, the swing weight, the the beam profile, but but the head sizes although they are quite small in in difference, if you just line up a 95 and a 98, you know it's not going to be a huge difference. But everything in tennis is small margins. So uh, a 95 and a 98 is, is actually a big difference. And uh, a 98 and a 100, I think, makes a huge difference as well. So uh, it's definitely something, uh, every kind of small parameter in tennis can can really affect your how you swing the racket, how the shots penetrate the court, how you feel about the sweet spot and everything else. Absolutely agree. Um, I, I find it quite interesting now these days when some companies have 100 square inch rackets but a thin profile frame for example the head gravity you have the head speed in 100 you also have the well, that frame maybe is not out yet the the wilson 100 not the 100 light that is 70 ra but wilson has a, a version that is 100 square inch um, with a very soft 62 flex and the 300 grams balanced it's 300 grams weight uh, i think decathlon are selling it but they are the only ones i don't know if it's a special special frame just for decathlon um, it's on wilson's homepage, but it's been out of stock since uh, they launched the version 8 mm -hmm. and that is a frame i'm i would really like to try i mean the version v7 it was launched for example, Tennis Warehouse was launching the 100 version the same time the V8 version was launched. They were launching the V7 in the 100. So I think that would be a very interesting frame to try if it if it will be available to um, to everyone else except for Decathlon. Yeah, that's interesting. I haven't. I'm gonna check if it's there. You, you, yeah, the Blade Hundred version eight, right? I, I mean, yes. that was something that a lot of players were highly curious about because, uh, I mean, like you say, with the Blade, it's it's very nice control racket, uh, but you need to generate everything yourself pretty much, and uh, especially these softer blades now. The older generations, like the K Blade, you got a bit more on the frame, but 
Uh, so a hundred square inch version of that with similar specs is interesting. And actually, it's actually also available here in Malta, the hundred version eight. So yeah, Decathlon seems to have seem to have it weirdly enough. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah, how this I've works. heard I've heard some rumors that it will be available in like August or something for the rest of the Europe. So um, that is a frame I'm I would really want to try. So if Wilson listened to this, please send me one because I really want to try it, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it would be very interesting. Though those those frames where it kind of ends up in the middle are usually quite interesting, I would say. Like those, those are the ones that you you want to try because you, you want to find, I think everyone wants to find that middle ground with everything. But since we can't find it, that's why we have three rackets in the in the bag because there's no perfect middle ground. But we always look for it. And I think that's part of the fun of being a tennis nerd, right? That you keep searching for that perfect balance of uh, characteristics, you know, whether it's a hundred or a 98 or a stiffer 98 or a softer hundred, for example, that's something that I think a lot of us would be very interested in. Absolutely. I mean, just going to have a practice when you don't have any, any new stuff to try out. I mean, even if it's a new shoe or new string or new, uh, dampener or whatever it's always fun to try new stuff and um, just going out and okay it's really fun to just play tennis but it's also very very much of the part why you are playing tennis to try new stuff so uh, it's it's uh, it's lovely to try new stuff and I am not sure if I want to find my holy grail that I'm using one single racket it's um, uh, yeah, I, I think actually I want to try new stuff all the time. I It sounds a bit strange maybe, but I don't think I want to find the perfect frame because then it would be not so much fun anymore. No, I agree. I think it's it's a part of it. I think it's it's coming to that realization uh, it is good. I think it's a healthy way of, of approaching it because, I mean, we're, we're lucky enough to be able to test a lot of frames um, and... It's it's always fun. I, I never not look forward to a playtest. I don't think that has happened happened once. And I'm always curious about what the racket will bring out in me or what the racket will do to the opponent and who it could work for and so on or what the thinking was behind the model. So that that's like adds one extra layer to your tennis enjoyment. So I don't think it's sensible for people like you and me to kind of shy away from that. We just have to accept that this is who we are and and we like testing new stuff and that's just it you know people like testing new cars or buying new other things so uh, it's it's pretty normal like i used to play guitar a lot and and that's the same thing people buy new guitars all the time so it's um it's just a part of of being being into the sport i think a lot of it maybe got a bit hijacked or people felt like you know we have to be like the pros we have to bring a bag uh with uh, you know six matched rackets uh, with with pretty much the same tension with some slight variations otherwise we're not <laughs> we're not doing the pro thing you know so i think tennis is about finding your own path to enjoyment and and if you want to imitate the pros sure you can do that uh or if you you know obviously you're a competitive player and you want to go for the tour then then that's what you should do probably but but for us mere mortals who like to hit the ball and 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 try and do rackets i think that's fine we just have to give ourselves per- permission it depends a little bit on, on what your um, on what your goal with your tennis is. But I mean, you're a pretty competitive player. You play, you know, uh, German leagues and, and you play pretty high level tennis and you still can do that with this um, racket addiction that we both share. So I think you don't have to. It's fine to also try new rackets if you're if you're a pretty highly advanced player with some competitive uh, 
um, potential or, you know, you have some competitive goals. I mean, even Verdasco likes trying new rackets all the time. So it's, it's okay, I think. Yeah, Verdasco, he must be like a member of the tennis. Uh, there is some um, tennis gear forums out in, on the internet and I'm pretty sure Verdasco must be one of the profiles there. He, he likes to try rackets as much as we do. So it's lovely to see. Yeah, I think it's it's nice when you have the pros that that do that and and that really pay attention. I mean, some pros are are like really obsessing that each racket should be the same on the on the gram. For example, uh, the Manarino uh, is one of those guys that that you know he checks his rackets all the time. He goes to try the three in one machine when he's at a tournament. He goes there with all his rackets. He, he's you know obsessive about getting the rackets exactly perfect. Uh, and then you have guys like Verdasco who can actually ask Head to send him like, send me four new different rackets. I want to try them. And then he plays with different rackets in practice, you know. So it's it's one of one of us, but hits the ball a bit better, I, I would say. But um, yeah. but it, it's cool that to see that 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 passion for understanding how how the gear can make an impact, and that it's also kind of a fun uh, part of it. You know, it's like that that sensation you get when you hit the ball and what how the ball travels to the other side is actually like adds something it's not just a, a thing where you're lost in a jungle and you feel like you can't um you know relax because you you don't have your one racket you actually can enjoy that and 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 be be fine with that i think that's that's important it absolutely is um, i think there is hopefully there is a bit of the tennis nerd in most tennis players uh, at least the tennis players who want to develop their game and I mean, there are a lot of players that is, is just comfortable using an old uh, Pro Staff Classic 6-1 that's been very well used the last 20 years. But um, yeah, I, I mean, for me, at least tennis is so much more about the gear than actually the, the tennis itself. I mean, it's lovely to play tennis, but testing gear is it's just a part of, of my tennis experience, so to say. And for me, it's, it's worth the discomfort not having one permanent racket um, as long as I can play tennis and enjoy it. It's, it's so much more fun to try new stuff all the time. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. So what's your, on your calendar for the rest of the year? I mean, you have, um, you're stringing for the Swedish Davis cup team and you've been to uh, Madrid. Uh, was it last year? And uh, also you, you, you strung for, for one of their uh, important ties there in Stockholm. So, uh, do you have any more kind of stringing assignments for the for the Swedish Davis Cup team? And and uh, will you go to any tournaments yourself? Play any ITF seniors events, which which all you've done in the past? Uh, how does your your summer and uh, 2022 look like? Uh, we had a tie against Japan in Helsingborg in March that we won three two. Elias Ulme won the decisive match. Uh, so we are playing in Bologna uh, in the. It's like the semi-final group play, the group stage. So we're playing in Bologna against Croatia, uh, Argentina, and Italy. Uh, oh, that's in, a tough one. <laughs> that's a really tough one, but it's—I mean—it's on a fast indoor court, and yeah, I mean, it's going to be really interesting. It's in mid-September, I think, 14 to 18th of September or something in Bologna, and hopefully, I will be. And selected to join the team there as a stringer, not as a player, unfortunately. Uh, maybe as a ball boy, water boy, and a stringer. Uh, and the most important to, to find good restaurants for the team. That is my uh, biggest and most important assignment. 
Uh, it's, a, it's a fun re- assignment, though, no? Yeah, it is. Uh, maybe I will go to Frankfurt to play one more league game. It depends a little bit on, on my daytime work. Uh, and I will also go to, to Swedish Open in Borstad and watch some matches and just for fun, like this year, fun of watching live tennis. Um, and I will play some minor tournaments in Sweden and some league matches in Sweden. I don't have actually any ITF tournaments planned, unfortunately. There is the Swedish Championships in start of August that is always very fun to play in Borstad. And hopefully I'm going to play if I find a good or nice ITF seniors event in in like October or something in Spain. That would be really nice to play. Maybe you can join as well. Yeah, that would be cool. What, you come to Marbella yeah, and we play an event. Yeah, hopefully there will be, I mean, with uh, COVID now easing up a fair bit, uh, hopefully there will be a, an ITF uh, event in Marbella in October, in end of October. And I'm pretty sure that if everything works, I would definitely go down there and we can shoot some nice videos as well. Yeah, that would be great. Uh, yeah, I would like to. I never played one of those ITF seniors. I signed up for the, uh, the pin code, but I didn't play. And they seem like fun, you know, as long as the, enough players show up, uh, they seem like a, a good time. Uh, and it would be like the, the, you know, 40 group, I think, is a little bit more um, packed with players than the 35. The 35 seem to have a bit of a struggle sometimes to find enough uh, players, but, but the 40 should be okay, right? Yeah, the 40 is often um, easier to, to, to at least be a draw. The 35 is maybe two, three players. The 40 is often like 10, 12 players. So it's easier to be in the men's 40 event. Uh, it's actually too bad that not more players know about the ITF Senior Tour because um, it's so much fun to, to travel abroad. Maybe it only takes like three to four days as the tournaments are pretty compact. Uh, and it's also often a group play. So you get to play like three, four matches and you can play doubles or mixed doubles. And you get to know so much and meet so much new players, new friends that you you are meeting from all over the world. And uh, it's just a nice, very nice experience than just playing your local tournament against the same players you have been playing against for 25 years. And it's a really low cost for the tournament itself. You just need to sign up for IPIN. And I think the, the fee per tournament from ITF is like five euros or something. And then, of course, the, um, the participant fee from the tournament as well. But you get to practice as much as you want on the court and you get to play matches. And um, often those ITF events are not in the... Um, peak season of the tourist season so you get like uh, very good prices on the hotels and the airline tickets are actually pretty reasonable at the times when the ITF events are played so it's a really nice like a long weekend to play an ITF seniors event yeah I agree and I think it's, it's so important to uh, to play different players and also it's very nice when you travel I know it's a cost thing for a lot of people but it, it's it's something that really lifts your game and your inspiration to play more tennis when you when you travel and, and play on different courts, meet different people. It adds such a, a nice uh, thing to your life just to be able to do that. Because sometimes I, I know a lot of players just play the same guy over and over again, and it's a nice, uh, nice you know, social thing. And and but to really develop your tennis and also 
get more perspective on everything. I think it's 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 a very nice thing to travel. And these events, they don't cost a lot. They're usually in pretty accessible locations. So you can travel like maybe with a low cost airline. And, uh, you know, they're not like a long tournament where you have to stay like for one week or 10 days. You can actually go maybe for four or five days and you're, you're, you're good. So um, definitely a lot of tennis for your money and uh, a good way to, to grow your game. And also, I think it's so important for a lot of players to play a bit more competitive uh, matches because you get you can get stuck in just rallying and playing practice sets. But when you play tournaments like you, what we talked about before, that rubber rubber arm, you know, it, it, it can happen. And like you need to play a lot of tournaments and get some experience, and then you can start playing your own game even in in tournament matches. But it's, it adds uh, an extra flavor to your tennis life for sure. Yeah, and uh, also the social meeting with new players. I mean, over the years when I played ITF tournaments and those senior world championships, I'm, I mean, you get so many many new friends, like friends uh, that you will meet and keep for life because tennis is, you can play tennis for the entire life. And um, yeah, you get to meet so much man, so many new contacts. And it's uh, that is really really nice thing to with with tennis that it opens so many doors. You get to know so many new places, so many new friends, so many new contacts, and yeah, it's just lovely, perfect perfect sport. Yeah, it really is. And uh, one of the the beauties of, of tennis is is that that social element. Uh, if we're going back to to rackets and strings, I mean, string wise, are you um, are you do you have like a standard string setup that you always use, or you you mean I guess you test a lot of strings as well? But my experience with strings is that you don't have they're not released in the same um, kind of frequency as rackets are. I mean, strings come out from the main brands quite rarely, uh, but then there are smaller brands that that you know add strings all the time. But then it kind of becomes like a jungle, and it's very tough to to differentiate polyester strings from a lot of the smaller brands. But what what kind of go to strings do you play with at the moment? Um, it's the string from Robin Söderling, the RS Lyon, um, um, round uh, silver colored polyester co-poly string. Very, I, I really like the feel in that one. It's really soft and. It creates a really nice sound when you're hitting the ball. I know that uh, some guys in the Swedish Davis Cup team is uh, using that string, and they, uh, when I was stringing for it, I noticed that it's a really, really comfortable and easy string to string. It's a really nice string to work with. Very, it's no coil memory. It's it's just easy to string and use. And they was really liking it, so they advised me to try it, and I've been trying it quite a bit now. And it's a really nice string. I mean, it's maybe it's not the best for top spin, but just for like the overall performance, it's a really good string. If I want to play a more top spin tennis, the Hyper G is a really nice string from Solinko. And also the, um, the Torbite is also a really good string that keeps the tension really well. I mean, I can string a racket in like September and have it in my bag for six months and it still feels pretty fresh. Uh, and I also like some strings from Head, the Sonic Pro, very like basic poly string, but it's really nice, soft feel. The Lynx Tour is also a really nice string. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I don't really have any, I'm not that picky when it comes to strings, as long as it's fresh, freshly strung. The most co-polys, they are 
they are pretty much not I should not say the same um, but as long as they are freshly strung I can play with pretty much anything when it comes to co-poly um, I just don't like those strings um, the, some of the very soft new co-poly strings that make squeaky noises when you're hitting with them I don't really like them no brands uh, I would not say any specific brand but there are some new strings that um, they are not snapping back good enough and they are making strange new sounds when they have too much additives in it and um, so they are, they cannot be too soft the co-poly strings then it's better to go for a multi-filament or something i, I agree i i tend to i actually did a video i guess i will publish it tonight uh, when we're talking here but it's a video because someone asked me what's your top five poly strings and uh, i realized like when i was listing the strings i mean the one right now obviously we've tried many many strings over the years but i like it the medium in 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 firmness like if it's too soft uh, it drops tension quickly you might have that squeaky sound it doesn't snap back as well as some of the stiffer strings but then i don't want to go up to like a 4g or a you know very very stiff shaped string because that's going to be a problem as well and problem for my elbow generally and and also the stiff feeling is not always the nicest so like that i mean i i also like rs leon like you mentioned or hyper g because i think that's it's it's a medium stiffness you get good snap back feeling is good spin is is good as well like it's it's all like i'm not super picky on strings as long as those metrics are met uh and and like i said like a fresh string bed is always always good at least after the first hour so um and that that really helps when you string yourself and you can actually have pretty fresh string beds and what what do you use in tension usually are you around 50 pounds or something like that absolutely like uh, 50 pounds something like 20 yeah, depending on the frame uh, 21 to 23 kilos in my extreme pro stocks i'm using like 23 kilos but uh, when i'm using the gravity pro pro stocks i was down to like 20.5 kilos um, yeah but let's say my go-to tension is 22 to 23 kilos depending on the weather as it is now like eight degrees and rain i could use like four kilos that would be the best because it's so heavy <laughs> Yeah, maybe not. Yeah, then more, you need that fifteen kilos, something like that. And then when I played in Frankfurt uh, last weekend, it was like twenty-seven degrees, and I could use like twenty-five kilos um, if that would be good for my elbow. But it would not be; it would be too hard. But um, it depends so much on the weather because the ball flies so much more when it's hotter, uh, and you need to go up in tension to get some more control. Yeah, and I and I'm actually experiment. I played on some high altitudes uh, and. Uh, that also changes like the ball flies so much on a high altitude. You'd really need that higher tension uh, to, to play like when you're, when you're high up in the mountains or whatever. Uh, but yeah, warm weather, high, high tension, cool weather. You can play with like a, a Manarino style tension, you know? So I agree. I'm, I'm, and we're in the same spec range, I think around, like I like the kind of 51 pounds as my reference. And then I can go down a bit, depending on the racket being a very controlled racket or go up a bit, maybe like a, a pound or two if it's uh, more of a pure aero style frame. So I think it's good to always have like your parameters. I mean, after you've done a lot of testing, you, you kind of stay within similar parameters always in swing weight, tension and so on. It sounds like we're, we're pretty similar in, in that respect. Uh, any frames like that you tested this year or, you know, the last six months that have stood out to you or um, any upcoming frame that you are super excited about. I guess we have some frames coming that we can't mention, so that's always the case. 
Yeah, I have two frames that, uh, as we say, we cannot mention at all. I've got very strict uh, restrictions on those two frames. It's from two different brands, but they are two personal favorite frames for me. So I'm really looking forward to try those two frames. And those are two frames that I'm pretty sure that we will have a podcast about because they are in about the same type style of rackets and uh, they are so so important both frames or at least one of the frames but they are important frames so i'm pretty sure we need to have a podcast about them and a video as well um, but i'm also very curious on the extreme tour 98 that is a really really interesting uh, frame to to try because it, it spec wise it looks like perfect the perfect frame for an amateur player like me it's it's going to be really interesting to try it and I will get it very soon. Um, otherwise, the last six months, I mean, it's not been that many new rackets that's, that I've been trying. So yeah, I don't know. Um, I cannot specifically mention any particular frame that's been that or stood out the last six months. I've only been trying like the new Clash 2.0, but it feels pretty much like the old version. Um, the new Yonex V-Core Pro, nice frames, but nothing that stood out magnificently much. What else do we have that's been new? No, I cannot say any specific frame that's really stood out the last six months. Did you try the new E-Songs? No, I'm still waiting for it. Okay, I think, I think you'd like that since you like the 2018 one, the green lime one. Yeah. Um, these yeah. are... are Slightly more refined, but not too muted. I think they they found a pretty good balance. I actually like the the hundred, probably more than ninety eight, which is weird. But uh, it, it's a, it, they're good rackets. But yeah, it's tough to find standouts. Like sometimes you you need the, it needs to be when you've tested like hundreds of rackets uh, or more. You they need to be exceptionally good for you to to really fall in love, you know, and get that kind of classic feel. And and most rackets today are are small tweaks, like just small updates. Uh, I mean, I like the new head speeds, but they, that's just like a tiny, tiny update, but it made a difference, a positive difference. Um, the new E-Zones also smaller-ish update, but but a positive update. So you, you get those, but it's hard to rave about something that's just a, a you know, a smaller improvement of the previous uh, generation. So uh, we'll see. But I think the upcoming months, like you said, let's do more podcasts and let's meet up maybe when I'm in Sweden or if you come to Spain. Uh, to to talk about the upcoming rackets because it's, although it's been a dead period now for a few months, we're getting into a high season for tennis frames and with some very exciting uh, launches that I think a lot of tennis nerds will will be curious about. So um, we sure have a lot to talk about in the coming weeks. Um, okay, I think that's it for me today, Henrik. I'm actually going to head over to the tennis court. Uh, really nice talking to you as, as usual. Uh, do you have any tennis book today? Yeah, we'll play at uh, 7 p.m. tonight. As it is right now, it's it's windy. Oh, it's nine degrees now, actually, but it's no rain. So maybe it will be possible to play outside. It would be nice to play on the clay, actually. We play indoor for eight months a year in Sweden. So it's nice to play outdoor when you can play outdoor. Yeah, I know. It's only 29 degrees here, so I can't really say we're in the similar weather situation. I have to move. <laughs> uh, it's it's, uh, it, it's pretty. It's getting warm uh, here actually. After uh, we also had a really long winter slash um, 
yeah, it was like a just very boring, quite rainy period for a few months. It felt almost like you were in uh, in Nordic uh, countries, but um, not in the in the heat, but but at least in the terms of, of boring weather. So now it we're back in business in May, so it's all all sunny all the time, which is good. But thanks and and uh, good luck on your tennis tonight. Hopefully you can play on the on the clay, and uh, we keep in touch. We absolutely do. Thanks. Uh, pleasure talking to you, Jonas. Ciao, ciao. Ciao.